Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Farm Credit Services of America, Johnsonville Foods, Highport Genetics, Minitube, Orbit Farm Technologies, Brenneman Pork, PIC North America, Swine Robotics, Neogen, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Rota, and joining me today is Dr. Kara Hayden. How are you doing today, Kara? I'm doing good. Thank you. It's exciting to have you on to talk about Prop 12 and animal welfare. You gave a really good presentation at Minnesota Pork and talked about a few things that I don't think anyone in the industry has ever presented on. And so it was fairly novel and new. I'm glad that you thought it was exciting. It's it's definitely really interesting information, and I think it's really important, and it needs to be a part of the discussion as we talk about Prop 12 moving forward. So when we were hopping on the call, we were just talking back and forth about life updates, and it sounds like you guys are finally getting over uh, all the different things like flu and everything and uh, going on vacation. I was holding my update until we were recording. Uh, So this weekend... My wife calls me, her car got stolen in Kansas City. Someone actually broke into her car and uh, (laughs) they found it a couple days later. So we we found it, uh, found that out this morning. And so we get to figure out what the heck happened to the car. But that was a first for me. I've never had a car stolen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here in rural Iowa, I leave my keys in my car sometimes and never think twice about it. (laughs) Right. So... That's what's new on my end, but I'd love it if you could give us an update on what's been new with you over the past year and what is some of your core objectives as you're looking through 2024. Yeah. Yep. So I continue to work as the director of animal welfare at Pipestone. So that's a position I took about two years ago. And so in 2023, a lot of my time got taken up working on Prop 12 compliance And then kind of secondarily to that, um, once you get a farm to be compliant, you kind of need to learn how to live with Prop 12. And so um, trying to understand some of the welfare implications of Prop 12, both good and bad, and trying to put some numbers to those items. And so 2023 for me has been a lot of work on Prop 12 and then a lot in general of just looking at kind of some of these treatment metrics. We've started recording why we're treating sows, what our treatment success rate is, Um, Just a bunch of numbers along those lines to try to assess animal welfare using actual um, data. So that's been kind of the big projects for 2023. And then 2024 is really taking some of that information that we collected in 2023 and really understanding um, kind of how we're doing as a management company from uh, treating sows for lameness. How are we doing treating sows and farrowing? Are we consistent across farms? Do we see consistent results? So I think 2024 will be exciting from the standpoint of getting a lot of numbers to some welfare metrics. And when we were talking to some of the individuals from California and the auditors, they made it very clear from their side of things that Prop 12 was not a welfare mandate, but rather a housing mandate. 
And I'm guessing that that is why you guys are looking in the welfare side quite a bit is to figure out, okay, this is the current housing expectation. How might things evolve or change based on what we find in regards to true well-done welfare studies? Is that kind of some of the the goal or is it just figuring out how to live within the system that's been given? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say when California set out to write Prop 12, they did write that their goal was to have improved welfare and improved sustainability. That was their goal in writing the Prop 12 um, kind of measures. However, the audit has nothing to do with welfare. So the audit is not assessing pig welfare. The audit is simply assessing whether or not you're following Prop 12 compliance. So do you have the correct square footage? Um, are you recording all the times that sows are in non-compliant housing? And is all of that in place? They are not looking at scratches, death loss, lameness. I mean, they're not looking at any welfare metrics as a part of that audit. And so um, you can become compliant with Prop 12 and have pretty poor animal welfare is what we're learning, (laughs) or at least have certain areas that are extremely challenging. And so I've been called into all of our Prop 12 barns at one time or another to really work on this idea of sow fighting and lameness. And that is just a real challenge in the Prop 12 system. Can you talk through some of the studies that you guys have conducted, what you were hoping to find, maybe what you expected to find, but then ultimately what came out of it? Yeah. So one of the metrics that we track at Pipestone now is um, just the percent of our herd that's being treated for lameness. And so we expected to see an increase in our Prop 12 barns because we do see um, more fighting in those systems and and we felt like we had more treatments, Um, but it's more than double. So it was significantly more than we anticipated. So in a stall barn, it's about 3.5% of our herd gets treated in a 10-week period. Pen barns, that, that would be a typical pen where they're in stalls until preg check and then out into pen gestation. That's 7.8% and Prop 12 is 10.2%. So significantly higher uh, number of animals that are being treated. If we look at the number of animals that we're culling for lameness, it's more than double what our stall barns are. And if we look at the percent dead for a lameness reason, again, it's also more than double. Um, so 0.45% in our stall barns and 1.11% in our Prop 12 barns. So not telling a story that we feel particularly good about for our Prop 12 barns. Are you finding that there are significant opportunities to improve those numbers? Or do you feel like that's almost going to be the the standard that comes with a Prop 12 managed farm? Yeah. So I would say with our current system, we take animals from the farrowing house directly into free access stalls. And then uh, post-breeding, we put them into different style pens at, at the different barns. But with this current setup, we have done a number of trials introducing things to distract pigs, things um, where we're doing kind of different size animals going into pens. We've tried a number of different things. And I would say that we have not found anything that has any major impact. So that's unfortunate. Um, but now what we need to start doing is layering some of these things. So, okay, this distraction didn't work by itself, but what if we layer three of these different things together? Can we get some impact if we do that? And so I don't know the answers to that yet. I'm hoping, and I would say we're, we're pretty dedicated to not allowing our Prop 12 systems to have worse welfare from a lameness and mortality standpoint. So it's going to be a significant amount of work to solve that, um, but there's going to have to be solutions. 
setting a high bar. Yeah. I just think um, we just can't accept, right? The public can't accept it. And it's not the right thing for the pig to just say, well, this is Prop 12 and it's hard to manage and we're going to have higher mortality and we're going to have more treats and we're going to have more girls that go lame. Um, I just don't think that's an acceptable answer. I think we have an obligation to the pigs and to the public to make the system work, but it is a very difficult system to make work. It is definitely not what we would have chosen if the industry was told, hey, you need to provide more space for your sows or something along those lines. We would not have chosen this particular system. During your presentation, you actually layered out really well the pros and cons to each of the housing types. And sometimes I feel like producers, especially when they're talking about stuff like this, can find it hard to succinctly communicate the pros and cons. And um, really, that helps advocate for what is best for the animal. And I think sometimes if the consumer knew that there were options and no one world was perfect, and it's about compromise, sometimes it's helpful. Can you talk about those um, and how you broke that down? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to make sure that everybody that's part of the conversation understands that there is no perfect system. So even if we look at nature, nature is pretty cruel to pigs in certain situations. And so even housing in nature is not perfect for the welfare of a pig. And so the way that I like to look at welfare is I find the five domains model to be really, really helpful. And so that model, you start looking at the physical domains, you extrapolate down into um, the kind of mental state, the mental or emotional state of the pig. And then from there, what's the welfare state? And so in those physical states, you're looking at nutrition, their physical environment, health, and then behavior or interactions, um, and then mental state, welfare state. So just a quick example for nutrition, right? If you're feeding a pig a diet that meets this, the needs for its life stage, then you can extrapolate that the mental state is that that pig feels full and content. And so that would be a good, a positive welfare state. So if we take this and we look at housing, right? If we look at nature, um, we'll just go through those four physical domains. So interactions behavior is very positive. Those pigs can go where they want. They can do what they want. They can interact with the pigs that they want. So probably pretty positive from a welfare state standpoint. Now, pigs in the wild have very variable nutrition, could be really poor and could cause significant welfare concerns, but could be good depending on maybe the time of year and where they're at. Environment, same thing, right? Depending on the time of year and where they're at, that could be really positive for animal welfare or really negative. And then health in general, right? There's no humane euthanasia in the wild. And so, um, and there's, if a pig breaks a leg or gets sick, no one is coming to treat them in the wild. And so if we, if we kind of take that, we can see that in the wild, the welfare is not perfect. So it is okay to poor potentially depending on the time of year or the season or where they're located. Um, if we look at stalls, stalls is basically the exact opposite of nature. So what we've done in stalls is we have controlled the environment completely. So we can make sure that those pigs don't get too hot, that they don't get too cold. We've completely controlled nutrition. So we can make sure that they get exactly what they need every day. It's very easy to identify animals that are off feed. And then we've completely controlled health. So when they're in a stall, it is very easy to determine who is sick, who is lame, and it's very easy to administer care. 
If we look at the interactions behavior, that's the kind of category where we see some negatives. They don't have the ability to interact with other animals and they don't have the freedom of movement that they have in nature. But there's a lot of other positives in some of these other areas. And so I think that's just a good example of, right, there's no perfect system. It's which areas are you improving and which areas are you giving up on? And so then our question was, okay, what is Prop 12 like? So Prop 12, I would say nutrition, right, that could be plus or minus depending on your system. So nutrition could be negative if you're talking about a, a submissive sow that is worried about going through an ESF feeder, or if you're talking about a submissive sow who's in pen, like a um, stanchion barn, and she's having to fight every morning or experiences pretty significant stress associated with nutrition. So environment's probably about the same. Interactions behavior, again, it really depends if you're a dominant or a non-dominant sow. Those dominant sows do great in pens. They do not have very much stress. Uh, they can do what they want. They can lay where they want. They can eat and drink when they want. Those non-dominant or submissive sows, we've seen in studies that they do have increased cortisol and increased stress in those pen situations because some of those interactions are not positive for those pigs. And so then Prop 12 on health, the question is, is health better or worse? And I would say our numbers looking at injections per week, looking at number treated per week, number dead per week, all of those indicators would suggest that health is worse in a Prop 12 system. And so it just is not a perfect system. There's, there's give and take and, and there's significant challenges from a health standpoint. Do you think that it's likely that we find the perfect system or do you think we're always going to be in this world of compromise? I think we're always going to be in a world of compromise, right? I just, I look at my kids, right? I look at myself. I don't think humans have perfect welfare. There's nope. always compromises that we are giving and taking in our lives. And I think it's going to be the same for animals as well. Um, it's just not going to be possible to provide a system that's absolutely perfect. That's not going to be a sustainable system. And that's not going to be a system that works from a financial standpoint. I mean, healthcare hasn't even figured it out yet. Uh, when you look at the world, you've got quality, cost, and timeliness. And you can take all four base models, the beverage, the Bismarck, Canadian model, the, the there's other models, but all of them have to give on at least one of those criteria. Otherwise, the system itself implodes and it's not financially viable to have a hospital or a clinic. Or it's too costly. Uh, I mean, if, if healthcare can't fit, I mean, it is. It's it just seems like this never-ending compromise. Yeah. So I think the conversation needs to be around not what is the absolute perfect system, but what are the areas that we can compromise in and what are the real impacts on pig more or on um, pig welfare. So is it worse for an animal to have less freedom of movement if they don't experience the pain and suffering associated with lameness? Or is it better for them to have freedom of movement, but experience or be more likely to experience the pain and suffering associated with lameness? So I, I think the discussion definitely needs to be more about at the pig level, what is better for the pig because there's no perfect system. And it probably depends on who you're talking to in the room, because if you're talking to somebody who is a true consumer of pork. It's probably very different than somebody who's a, an advocate of not eating pork. Because if you're an advocate of not eating pork and I'm given compromise, I'm just going to undercut it and say, well, well, neither. Right. Yeah, exactly. And their goal is to try to force us into a system that doesn't work and puts us out of business um, and because their expectations are completely unrealistic. 
So do you think that's going to be one of the bigger challenges for the industry is one identifying what is as good as possible, but then also just figuring out how to get the right people in the room and getting the right people to make the right decision? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, around Prop 12, we're just having so much discussion about, you know, what does pen mixing look like? What is our responsibility to provide distraction? How can we do treatments as early as possible? What are the most effective treatments? Uh, there's there's a lot of things that we can discuss and that we can improve. And so I think we will improve on the Prop 12 system, but it's going to take significant effort. Do you at Pipestone or with your family at Dykeis Farms get much opportunity to discuss and and potentially influence larger organizations that are significant buyers of pork, like a Wendy's or a McDonald's or a Walmart and and so on? Yeah, I would say certainly there's some seats at some tables and um, certainly the information that we have regarding some of the downsides of Prop 12 is, is going to be some interesting discussions coming up. Well, I hope those discussions go well and I appreciate you hopping on to share a little bit about what you've learned. Um, for a couple of questions here that are a little bit off off topic, uh, if you could go back in time and have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. I think probably Jesus. I know that's a really like corny answer, but that's my answer. Nobody said that one yet. I, I've been <laughs> Nobody said that one. Most people's golden, a lot of people's golden nugget nuggets have to do with with their faith. And yet I don't think people think that far back when they answer that question. So that is not a cliche. <laughs> so are there any questions I'm not asking in regards to Prop 12 that I should be? Man, I mean, <laughs> I think the main question is how do we communicate to the public, some of these pros and cons, you know, I think if the public wants Prop 12, they deserve to know exactly what Prop 12 is, right? Yes. They deserve to know that currently in a Prop 12 system, the sows have additional space to roam around and to interact and they are they are not confined like they are in other systems, but that there are some downsides to that. Like, I think the public deserves to know exactly what they're getting. And so the, the question is, how do we communicate that with them? Uh, what's the mechanism to do that? Because uh, I think people deserve to know exactly how their food is raised. Yeah. And you got to do it delicately too, because you don't want the consumer to be like, well, I don't like either option, so I'm not going to eat pork anymore. That's exactly right. Yep. That is where it's like in the past, I think we have kind of kept our cards close to our chest and not shared very much about our industry. And I think we're paying the price of some of that right now. And so I think we need to be proud of what we do and not be afraid to um, share. This is how we're raising pigs. And if, if there's something that we're not proud of, then we need to change it so that yeah. we can be proud enough to share it with our consumers. Couldn't agree more. So back to back to your rap the rapid fire question. If uh if you grab dinner with Jesus, would you do it in the modern era or would you do it back in Bible times? I would do it back in Bible times. <laughs> see, I was thinking on that one. It's like, I don't know, it might be fun to see like Jesus at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Just, <laughs> like, it'd be hilarious just to see what his take is on like everything going on in the environment. But uh Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, I do appreciate you hopping on on short notice and sharing an update here and uh, we'll be in touch and, and thank you again for being a guest on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Matthew. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.